Amen. How many of you are glad to be saved tonight? How many of you are glad to be in the house of God on a Thursday night? How many of you are glad you're not a Democrat? Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad you're not a Yankee? If you're from the, the great chosen frozen, we're glad you're here tonight too. Amen. I thank the Lord for you all being here. Look to the person on your right and say, it's so good to see you. Go ahead, look to the person on your right and say, it's so good to see you. And look to the person on your left and say, you need a breath bent. <laughs> I do want to say thank you so much, Brother Bond, for allowing us to come. And as they were singing that last song, I, uh, I'm thankful for the blessings of the Lord on my life. I was sitting back there, I was thinking, man, I got five babies in the house of God with me. I got a wife that loves me and prays with me and helps me and prays for me, keeps the home. My church members have been here all throughout the week, some more here tonight. You get to stand and preach the word of God and don't deserve any of it. And I'm sure I'm thankful for the blessings of the Lord on my life. I appreciate your pastor. I appreciate Brother Bond and his dear wife and what the fellowship of this church has meant to us since we've came. And when we moved from Alabama down to South Mississippi, I didn't know where McNeil was, didn't know where Poplarville was, or, amen, Slidell or any of it. But God give you some friends along the way, amen. I'm thankful for folks you can worship with, folks that you can labor with, and folks that you can weep with and that you can shout with. And I thank the Lord for North Spoon Baptist Church. If you have your Bible this evening, let me invite you to turn and find our text in 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. I guess while we're giving out thanksgiving, I want to thank the Lord for whoever made the chicken and dumplings. Amen. I need about a 55-gallon drum of them. Amen. They were wonderful. I'd just dive off in them and stay in there a while. Amen. If I had a big old bucket and the ham, that was good as well. I found myself dipping the ham in the, amen, inside of the, uh, the chicken and dumplings. Amen. It was a wonderful so I thank you so much, preacher, and make sure you go by and get some of that fruit cake they got. It looks a lot like pound cake. I was calling it fruit cake, so it didn't, you know, seem so bad eating it when I'm not supposed to have it. Amen. Second Kings chapter number four. If you have found your place in your scriptures, would you stand with me? If you're willing and able to physically, and if you need to maybe sit down, that'll be fine. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I feel like I need to read this tonight and lay the foundation for the burden of my heart this evening. 2 Kings chapter number 4, the Bible says in verse number 8, <clears throat> And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Now make a note of that. Remember her, please. And she constrained him to eat bread. Ladies have been feeding the men of God for a long time. That's biblical, amen. And so it was. As, they all, as he oft passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God. I still believe those that preach the word of God ought to have a holy life. Somebody say amen. Which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And she said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for the king or to the captain of the host? Notice her humility. She answered, I dwell among my own people. She wasn't serving to get something. She was serving because she loved God and the man of God. Notice what is else taking place here. Verse 14, and he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, According to the time of life. 
And when the child was grown, pay special attention to verse 18 and on. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. He said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Pay attention to that. And shut the door upon him and went out. She called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. Can I tell you the greatest place to go to when you find yourself in trouble is to God and to God's man. Amen. That's what started that blessing in her life. And I can guarantee you God knows what he's doing when he puts a shepherd over the flock. Amen. When you have any trouble, go to the man of God. Amen. And let him point you to the ways of God. Amen. Verse number 23. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? He's a little bit resistant. Hey, it's not a new moon or a Sabbath. And she said... It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to a servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her. And say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Man, what faith. Her baby's laying dead up in the house. Verse number 27, And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she called him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. Amen. God's man can see things others can't see. Amen. And the Lord hath hid it from me. Amen. You preachers. Don't get discouraged when you don't know it all. The only one that knows it all is God. And sometimes he chooses to reveal it. And sometimes he doesn't. The Lord hath hid it from me. And this was God's prophet. Amen. And hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take thy staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any man salute thee, answer him not and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her, and Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him, and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead, and lay upon his bed. He went therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. When he had returned, he walked in the house to and fro, went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called to her and when she was come into him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. You know when God answers a prayer request, the best thing to do is give him the glory for it and then enjoy it. Amen. Brother Philip, would you please ask God to help us tonight, my brother? Yes, God, help us this evening, Lord. Feed your sheep. Lord, revive the backslidden, Lord, the cold tonight, I pray. Speak to you, God, I pray. Yes, God, we need your help tonight. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Thank you for standing for that lengthy passage. I want to preach tonight 
as the Lord leads and helps us on when a, a miracle needs reviving. When a miracle needs reviving. In our text this evening, we see uh, something very interesting. We see an impossibility become a possibility. We see a miracle of life form from a dead womb. And we see the revival of a dead miracle. Revival is for those who have been saved. Revival is for those who have been to Calvary. Revival is for those who have already been vibed. But if we'll be honest tonight, as we go through life, as we pay bills, amen, as we try to keep the children clothed and keep them in shoes, amen, it seems like they grow out of them faster than they stay in them. Somebody say amen. The shorts, amen, the pants seem to get short and the shirts don't fit. You're buying clothes trying to make ends meet. Then the truck won't start and it seems like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. There comes times in your life and my life where we just need a reviving from God. That's why the man of God has felt led to set aside this time for this week so that you and I can get revived and go on for the glory of God. It is evident in our text that this lady is a Christian. In our text, we see that she has not a child. We see that she's a great woman, but all throughout this life and all throughout her existence, she's had a lot of blessings and a lot of things from God, but she never had a child through the power of God through the man of God and through her submission and through her faith, she is able to experience what she never experienced before through the miraculous power of God Almighty. Amen. It is also evident in our text that she was a great woman. Amen. The Bible called her a great lady. We see that her greatness is marked by her perception. Look with me in verse number 9. She perceived that Elisha was a holy man of God. Amen. And I want to go on record tonight. Amen. That these so-called men of God with their skinny jeans and their V-necks on and their gold chain and their little NIV, that is not a holy man of God. I like a man of God who gets in the secret place and gets along with the God of glory. Amen. Amen. And eats a handful of 16 penny nails and gets back, amen, on his dew claws and rears back and preaches, thus saith the Lord, come hell or high water, whether they like it, amen, whether they lump it, amen, and he gets in the wind and preaches, thus saith the Lord. We need men of God today that's not afraid of faces. We need men of God today that's not going to compromise. Men of God that'll say, let's go this way and let's get it done for the glory of God, amen. She realized he was a holy man of God. There were others walking around. There were others coming to and fro. But there was something different about Elisha. Amen. And I say to the preachers tonight, there ought to be something different about our walk. There ought to be something different about our dress. There ought to be something different about our speech. There ought to be something different about our touch. There ought to be something different about our families for the glory of God. She had perception. She said, this is a holy Man of God. She perceived that he passed by this particular way very often. If you study it out, Elisha's home place over there in Aholahima, that was about halfway between there and Carmel. It was 25 miles one way to his home place and 20 miles to, amen, Carmel. And Shunem was right in the middle of it all. And can I tell you tonight, the best place to be is in the middle of God's will. It doesn't matter where you go, you'll always be at home, amen. He can provide for your every need if you'll just trust Him. She had perception that He was a holy man of God. She had perception that He was needing somewhere to stay because of His off travel. She perceived that He needed a place to rest. She had perception that the spiritual work of this man was something that wore on his mind and wore on his body and wore on his animal that he rode and wore on those that worked with him, Gehazi. And she wanted to be a blessing to the man of God. Amen. We see that she was a great woman because of her perception. Not only that, she was a great woman and marked by that because of her performance. Look at verse number 10. She said, let us make a little chamber. I notice this, that the man does not go to her. The man doesn't take the initiative. And God help us tonight, men, amen. Let us take the initiative. Let us lead our homes. God help us tonight. There's a dearth in America for men to rear back and say, Honey, this is the way we're going. This is what we're doing. And we're going to get behind God's man. And we're going to go 1,000 per sin. Amen. Amen. I know some pretty good men. If their wives would let them be a good man, somebody say amen. 
Sir, you got to get in the traces, amen, and get your backbone full of the Holy Ghost of God and go against the world and go against the flesh and raise that wife and raise them babies for the glory of God. Amen. Yeah, it wasn't the man that came to and hey, let's build this house. It was the lady, amen. And thank God for ladies that go and carry the load when the men won't do it, amen. God help us tonight. She approached her husband to build a chamber. She sees the need and performs the task before anything else and anyone else has the initiative. She takes care of the man of God and turned in. And the man of God in turn took care of her. We notice that she's a great woman by her perception and by her performance. As the people of God, we should always look for opportunities to be a blessing to God's people and to God's man. Look for opportunities to go out of your way to be a blessing to these men of God and God will bless you and honor you for it. Now I'm not preaching some strange doctrine and I don't know why God set it up that way but you'll never go wrong by doing good by your man of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. She's a great woman because of her perception, because of her performance, and because of her praise. She had enough of a relationship with God to know and recognize when God's power and spirit was on a man. She saw this man named Elisha. She had heard about Elijah, his forerunner, and she saw the same God and the same spirit and the same working power of the Holy Ghost on this young man that succeeded him that would go to do twice as many miracles. And she said, I want to get in on what this young man is doing and help him and not hinder him. Amen. Praise God for her. She had the discernment to run to the man of God when disaster struck. She had, amen, these things that reveal to us how great she was. Yet, even in all this greatness, even in all this wealth, the ability to, in this time, build a place on the wall of her house to extend and knock out walls big enough for a couple of men of God and a woman to walk around in and a bed to lay the child down on. It wasn't just some hole in the wall. It was a nice place with a good view and it had things inside of it. She had all of that, but something was missing. The Bible says she had no child. Elisha has been so well taken care of by this woman that he is moved to do something for her. She was so humble, she was so innocent, and she was so willing to do anything to be a blessing to the man of God that that got Elisha's attention. And now he wants to do something for her. She said, I don't need anything. He said, I still want to do something for you. She said, I dwell among my own people and that's good enough. I want to do something for you. He said, I can speak to the king for you or the captain of the host. She said, brother... She said, I've got everything that I need. She was a very humble lady. She didn't serve to get. She served because she loved. What an example for you and I this evening. But Elisha wanted to do something for her. Gehazi is here on the scene and he perceives that something is missing in the house. Now let's take, amen, a little journey back to this place. Let's take a journey inside their home and Gehazi is walking around and he notices Brother Bond, there's no toys on the ground. Brother Mears, he hadn't seen any diaper boxes. I'm going to tell you what, if they keep going up, I'm going to have to sell some of them case knives. Well, maybe not. Miss Kristen, we'll get some of them washable diapers. Amen. My mother says, you're not a real mom until you wash out dirty washable diapers in cold toilet water. Amen. Thank God for huggies is what Miss Kristen says. Amen. He noticed some things. There's no toys. Hey, uh, he hadn't stepped on no Legos, Brother Gregory, at 2 a.m. going to the restroom. You want to talk about going through the tribulation, you let one of them Legos go up in that foot, amen, and you'll know whether you're breathing or not. I guarantee you. He noticed there wasn't no Legos around. He noticed there wasn't no Pampers around. He noticed there wasn't no toys around. And he never heard the cry of a newborn baby. But she didn't complain. She didn't go, amen, with her hand out. She just plied right along doing what God had called her to do. And friend, can I tell you, there's not going to be a one of us in this room that's going to get out of this thing unscathed. There's going to be trials. There's going to be trips to the graveyard. There's going to be trouble as the sparks, plural, fly upward. But I'm going to tell you what, we serve a God that's great enough with grace 
that can carry us through that, ma'am. And I'm telling you, sir, tonight and ma'am, we're going to go through dark times and we're going to go through sorrow and we're going to go through bad times, but thanks be to God that He'll go through it with us. Amen. She's a great woman, friend. She hadn't asked for anything, but Gehazi's perception is very keen. He hadn't seen any of these things. He hadn't heard the cry of a child. And he looks to the man of God and says, Brother Elijah, there's no babies here. I guarantee you that she wants that natural desire fulfilled. Gehazi, a picture of the Holy Ghost here, goes and perceives something that he couldn't perceive and turns to the man of God and says, she needs a child. The husband is older and if naturally precedes her in death like most men do, she'll be left alone with no one to care for her needs and no name to be carried out in Israel. She had no child. She had no life. She had no name. And when he dies, the family has no future. The lady represents the lost condition of individuals around the world. My friend, there must be a new birth. There must be an operation from another world that has no workings with the hands of man. There must be something that takes place in the deadness of the womb, amen, that is caused by sin that cannot produce life, and it must be enacted by God from an outside source. The lady represents you and I this evening, and it represents a miracle. Lifeless, joyless, without a future and without hope and without a child. But all of that is changed when she come in contact with grace. If you look at the text in chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 we see a lady that owed a great debt can I tell you that grace has always paid the debt in full and you cannot ever get the new life in verses 8 through 17 until the debt is paid by grace grace provided the oil as the instruments came that were empty the more vessels of emptiness and brokenness that they brought the more the grace flowed out amen and can I tell you tonight that you'll never exhaust the grace of God you keep coming to God and He'll keep filling up the vessel. Amen. So grace had paid the great debt in verses 1 through 7. Verses 8 through 17 where our text is taken, grace provided new life. And new life is always going to follow the work of Calvary. Amen. Elisha calls this dear lady back. He says, Sis, about this time next year, you're going to have a child. As a matter of fact, you're not going to have to have a revealing party and I like those some guys shoot something and it blows up blue and sometimes they shoot it and they blow it up pink or maybe they pop a firework and the colors come out and they have a reveal party he said you're not going to need to do any of that and you won't have to put it on Facebook he said I'm going to go ahead and tell you about this time next year you're going to hold a bouncing baby boy God's working a miracle in this lady's life preaching tonight on when a miracle needs reviving Elisha calls her in there and says, Ma'am, you're going to have a miracle. You're going to have a son about this time next year. Look at verse number 17. And the woman conceived. Can I tell you tonight, when God makes you a promise, you can go ahead and take it to the bank and cash a check. It's going to come to pass. Brother Mears, when it leaves the mouth of God, or it leaves the word of God, amen, it's pages that are eternally settled in heaven. You're not going to change it. It don't matter who you are or where you're from or how much influence you have, God's word's going to come to pass. Amen. Verse number 17, the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. She, can, she had a new opportunity, a new lease on life. On this day, there was a cry that sprang out that had never echoed in the house. A healthy baby boy is born into the Shunammite home. Something that they had never experienced, a brand new life. Would you walk down memory's lane with me for just a minute, dear Christian? Do you remember the first time, the first day, the morning after you experienced new life? Maybe you remember the day that the Holy Ghost of God came by where you were and spoke breath, amen, into your dead soul. Amen, and shined the light of the glorious gospel in your dark world. Amen, and turned on the light of your soul and illuminated your heart. Amen, and faith was mixed with repentance and you believed God's record and He gave you new life that you never had before. New life springing out in this place had never been there before. She invested in that miracle. 
Oh, we got to get the clothes, sweetheart. We got to remember when Miss Kristen came to me and she told me, Brother Bond, she said, I believe I'm expecting. I said, are you sure? Amen. I went and bought about four more tests. Amen. Because I wanted to make sure. And sure enough, we was expecting and we were going to have a baby. And I'm telling you, that was one of the greatest days of my life when I knew that I was going to be a daddy. Amen. And I started working on the baby room for the next six months. Somebody say amen. Honey, I'll get to it. Ladies, there's no need to remind him every six weeks. If he says he'll get to it, you don't have to remind him every month. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So we started working. We started investing. We started buying the little shoes and we started buying the little clothes. Amen. And we were excited and we were investing and the church threw a big party and the families were happy. You remember that, Christian, when you pass from death unto life? She, in, she was infatuated with the miracle. Oh, my goodness. A mama ain't never seen an ugly baby. Amen. That's the most beautiful baby boy that I've ever seen. And she'd hold that new life. And she'd hold that miracle. And she'd show that baby around town. And she'd show the ladies at church, have y'all seen my son? Have y'all? She'd go to Walmart, amen, and she'd pick up her groceries. This is before they had pickup where they'd bring it out to the car. She still had to go in. And she was showing it to everybody in Walmart. That's in the originals, by the way. I've done all the research. Amen. She was invested in this miracle. She was infatuated with this miracle. She cleaned this miracle. She took it. She'd wash it. She'd bathe it. She didn't want it to walk around dirty. She didn't want it to walk around nasty. She wanted it to be different than the other child that was neglected down the street. Hers belonged to a Christian family and she wanted it to shine for the glory of God. And she prepared it and she cleaned it and she fixed his hair up, amen, and parted it and put some nice clothes on him. She was invested in him. She was infatuated with him. She cleaned the miracle. She invested in the miracle. She washed the miracle. She clothed the miracle. That always amazed me. Miss Kristen had this little, we've never had, uh, obviously had any children until our first one come along. And she had this little bitty thing that sat in uh, the sink. You know, and I'm thinking dishes go in the sink. And us daddies, you know, we just throw them in the bathtub, amen, and run a rag over them, everything be all right. Well, ladies don't do it that way. She had this little bitty thing, Brother Bond, and she took so much care. She even had a special uh, 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 body soap, uh, a hair thing, that would not make their eyes get uh, uh, where they tear up. That tear-free lotion and tear-free soap and she had all these special little rags and she'd put that baby boy landing down inside this special place and wash everything. And then one day I walked in, Brother Mears, and she's got the smallest little clippers that you've ever seen. I mean, they wouldn't even clip an ear hair off me or you, Brother Bond, but she's in there clipping toenails. I never even thought about his toenails, Amen. But that's the love of a mother for a child. God put the daddy in the home to be a backbone. But he put a mom in there to be the heart. You remember, friend, when God saved your soul, you were invested in that miracle. You washed that miracle. When you got dirty, you wanted to get clean. Somebody help me. You wanted to be different, amen. God, the Holy Ghost started working out what he'd worked in. Vested in it, washed it, clothed it. She kept this miracle around the things of God. But I wish I could tell you the story ended there, but that's not where it ended. Something happened terrible. Look with me in verse number 19. The Bible says not only did she conceive and have a child in verse 17, but in verse number 18, the Bible says, And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his fathers, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head... My head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. So a lot of folks believe this young man was probably about five to seven because here another lad's able to carry him. We don't believe he's yet a teenager. We don't believe he's a young man. We still believe he's a young lad. And can I say it's a good thing for young men to be around their daddies while they're working. Hey, man. Young men, amen, daddies, get them out of mama's jewelry box and get them in the tackle box and get them in the toolbox, amen, and teach them, amen, how to live for God and work for God, amen, and teach them, amen, how to be a man for God, amen. 
my head, my head. So another lad's able to carry this young lad and we're beginning to see some things that don't make sense. I don't know a daddy that's right with God and in his right mind that wouldn't carry his own child to get help. So some things are beginning to develop and maybe some things are working in the background. And can I tell you tonight, the best of home with two Christian parents still takes the grace of God and ain't nobody perfect, amen? Something here is working in the background and that's another message for another time. But here this lad picks him up, carries him to his mother and verse number 20, and when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. This miracle that's been such a blessing, this miracle that's been such a help and such a joyful thing this miracle that's brought such uh, elation to the home is now dead notice with me when it died brother Joe it says in the harvest busy working working for the good of someone else to take that crop and be a blessing to someone else it died in the harvest it died in the heat of the day the pressures of the life and the cares of this life begin to have an effect on this miracle notice when else it was in the head. There was something that began to affect the mind of this miracle. She could have blamed others if you study the text. She could have blamed her partner. He was unconcerned, her husband. He didn't have enough uh, 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 character to stop working and deal with his own child. He sent his sick child with another child. Imagine that. She could have blamed him, but she didn't. Woman of great character. He seemed to be unmoved. He didn't go up there and go to church. He didn't, he didn't go and get the man of God. He didn't go with her to get the man of God. He stayed in the field. She could have blamed him, but she didn't. She could have blamed the prophet. Look at verse number 16. He said, you're going to have a child. Verse number 28, you can look over there as well. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did not I say, do not deceive me? She's not blaming him now. She's just recounting what took place. You see the humility and the character of this lady. She didn't blame her partner. She didn't blame the prophet. The prophet sends Gehazi to check on the boy. The assistant pastor was sent to go get help. Amen. If I've got somebody dying, I'm not sending one of the men of the church. I'm going myself. Amen. But she didn't even get sideways when it didn't work out the way she thought it ought to work out. I mean, here it is. The pastor don't even go. The prophet doesn't even go. And she's such a woman of character and grace that she still has faith in God that everything's going to be okay. I'm telling you, it's a great woman. But now her miracle's dead. She could have blamed the partner. She could have blamed the prophet. But she didn't. Why? Because she didn't want anything to stand in the way of her getting her miracle back. She didn't want it. She wanted it back so bad that she was willing to put in the effort. Look at verse number 21. She takes the boy back to the very place where it all started when the man of God delivered the news. We're preaching about reviving a dead miracle tonight. And you that have been saved and twice born and have been born by the Spirit of God and have been made the partakers of the divine nature, there are some in this room tonight it seems like the heavens are brass. It seems like your joy is gone. It seems like the miracle of the new birth has died. And it seems like Christian life and church is a drudgery. And God wants to revive your miracle tonight. It seems like it's hard to get up and read. It seems like it's hard to pray. It seems like it's hard to tithe. It seems like it's hard to say hello. It seems like it's hard to go on where once you bathed it, once you washed it, once you invested in it, now it seems like it's a drudgery to do what was once a joy. I want to ask you tonight, will you put in the effort to revive that dead miracle? She had something to do with it. Now the new birth, the first birth, that's all of God and none of man. We didn't do anything other than believe God and exercise repentance, amen, in what we've been shown through the Holy Scripture. But now, you and I have to be willing to let God bring life back to that dead miracle. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. Once you belong to God, you're eternally secure. That's a Baptist distinctive, friend. But you can get to a place, amen, where it seems like church is dry, where you don't testify, where you don't come to the altar, where you don't lift your voice, where you don't lift your hands, and the miracle needs reviving tonight, amen, at North Spoon Baptist Church. Reviving a dead miracle.
She wouldn't let anything stand in her way. She picked up the dead weight of this boy, walked up those stairs, went into that room, and said, this is where it all started. And this is where I'll get it back. And I can go to God's bed and get the process started. Verse 21. Nothing stood in her way. She put forth the effort. She carried the dead body to the place where it began. Verse number 25. She traveled the distance of over 20 miles one way to Mount Carmel and 20 miles back all in the same day in the heat of the day in the harvest time in the summertime. It's hard. It's work. It costs you. It's sweaty. It's nasty. Living the Christian life is easy when he's doing it. But when you try to do it you'll let the miracle die. Verse 30, she did what the man of God did. She said, I'm not leaving thee. You studied the text out, I don't have time to deal with it all. But if you go back to chapter number 2, Elisha's following Elijah around, and Elijah said, go on back to the house. He said, I'm not leaving thee. You say you studied that out four different times. Elisha said, I will not leave thee. And when she said those words, that got the man of God's ear and he was reminded of where two chapters before he said the same thing and he knew that she meant business. Friend, can I tell you tonight, if you're going to let God revive your dead miracle, He knows if you're serious, He knows if you're at the end of your rope, or He knows if you're just playing games. I don't have that knowledge. I don't have that understanding. But the God of the glory world does. And tonight, if it seems like the miracle's died, I got good news. That miracle can be revived. Reviving a dead miracle. This lady wanted her miracle back. I wonder tonight if anybody in North Spoon Baptist Church wants a miracle back. We have been in this thing long enough to know that salvation is the work of God, the greatest miracle that's ever been performed. Uh, somebody help me now, get me a good amen ready. The greatest miracle that ever was performed is not when the water was turned into wine. The greatest miracle that's ever been performed is not when the iron did swim. The greatest miracle that's ever been performed is not when Malchus's ear got put back on. Amen. The greatest miracle is not, amen, when he fed the 5,000. But the greatest miracle that's ever been taking place in the world's history is when a dead soul gets born again by the power of God. Amen. A new life walks into that corridor of that soul and God breathes into the breast of their nostrils the breath of life and man becomes a living soul help man friend help man the new birth Greatest miracle is when God goes to that hireling or goes to that drunk or goes to that religious church member and turns on the light and they see themselves dying and going to hell without God and cleans them up and picks them up and puts life in their dead soul. Help them. Greatest miracle that's ever been performed is when God moves in the soul of a once dead individual. Help man. God breathed breath into Adam and Eve. God breathed on Israel, they became a nation. God breathed on the apostles and they became a church. And I say with all due respect, those are great and those are wonderful and those are miraculous things. But I'm going to tell you what, my friend, tonight, I wasn't there when he called out Adam out of the dust. I wasn't there when he called out Abraham from the air of the Chaldees. And I wasn't in the upper room when he believed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what, when I was a 23-year-old young man, I was walking around, amen, running errands for a corpse. There was no peace. There was no joy. There was no happiness. There was no meaning to life. I'd buy a new this or do a new that or try to find it in a, amen, in something with the boys or doing something I shouldn't. But oh, happy day. When I met the Savior and the Holy Ghost of God came to where I was and put new life in my dead soul. Amen. Greatest miracle, amen, is when a soul gets born again. Yeah, man. It is a miracle. Do you remember when the miracle took place? Do you remember where you were? 
Do you remember how dark it was? Do you remember how miserable it was? Do you remember how lonely it was? Do you remember how uh, wretched you were? Do you remember how deserving of hell you were? If you don't remember that, tonight you need to be saved by the power of God. Yep, man. Do you remember where you were when the miracles took place? I guarantee you if you've been twice born, you might not know the day and you might not know the hour. But you'll know where you were and you know what took place. It ain't no hooky spooky funny business, amen. It ain't none of this dance around, hibber jibber jabber jobber, uh, cut them out of water, bottle, bow tie, all that junk. I'm going to tell you what, the same Spirit of God that called out the apostles is the same Spirit of God that saves today. And it's all in accordance with the Word of God, amen. And I'm going to tell you what, if you can't go to a place and you can't go to an event, I'm not going to come to you tonight. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if I were and you don't have a place you need to be born again I'm going to tell you what you find that Shunammite in the shoe aisle at Walmart looking for a new pair of church shoes I guarantee you she'll tell you when that baby got born amen friend you find me and brother Bond down at the pawn shop looking at case knives amen that sounds like a good idea one day hey you talk to either one of us we'll tell you when we got in I'm going to tell you what, I was hanging around the church house. The church was praying for me and I didn't even know it. My mom and daddy were praying for me, amen. And I was as lost as a goose. I was playing a game. I was on the church every time the doors was open. But I was as dead as seven hells on the inside. And I was scared to death. Somebody asked me to tell them when I got saved. Oh, I could tell them about a little old prayer when I was five years old. And I believe five-year-olds can get saved, but this five-year-old didn't get saved. If the nature and the desire has never changed, you've never been saved. Yeah, man, friend. This stuff about saying a prayer and then drinking and, and carousing and living it up for 30 years. And, and I don't believe in that, friend. The Bible still says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We don't have as many backslidden, amen, as we think we got. We got a whole crowd that ain't never slid forward and confessed their sin to God and the Holy Ghost, amen, turn on the new man on the inside. Yeah, man, friend, I'm not trying to retread nobody, but I'm going to tell you what, I'd do an injustice to my God. I'd do an injustice to my calling. I'd do an injustice to this church. If I didn't sound the warning tonight, there's some in this room, you are twice dead, plucked up by the roots. You have no desire for the things of God. You have no desire for the new birth. You have no desire for the Word of God. That's because you've never been saved. You don't understand why. You don't desire the book. You criticize the man of God. You criticize the direction of the church. You criticize his wife. You criticize their dress. You criticize the music. You find fault in everything except you. You're a hypocrite and you need to be saved. Help yeah, man. Well, I know a preacher one time, he did this. There's a difference between humanity and hypocrisy. You leave God's men alone, friend. God uses men, but God gets all the glory. You look hard enough, you'll find faults in Brother Russell Jordan, but I'm going to do my best not to give you any excuses. Amen. God will deal with hypocrites one day. If you're here tonight and you have no desire for the things of God, you need to be born again. Preacher, I'm trying to move on. I'm being pressed right there. I'm going to tell you what, friend. Your time is where you prepare for eternity. I'm going to get back to preaching to the church in just a minute, but you listen to me, friend. You listen to me, young person tonight. You listen to me, mom or dad. It won't matter what you do with this life. It won't matter how much money you make or how big they put your name on a building or a bridge. If you leave this life without the blood of Christ applied to your life, you'll burn in eternity forever wishing that you'd have took that step toward the altar. Amen. Do you remember when the miracle took place? Every day you would feed the miracle. Every day, Sister Bond, you'd feed the miracle. I remember Sister Kristen, sometimes her brother Reynolds, two or three o'clock in the morning, she'd wake up and feed the miracle. Hell, man. Yeah, friend, you woke up and thought you had to go to the restroom, but God woke you up just wanting to talk to you. And you'd find you a place, amen, to stop and talk to God for just a little bit. You'd feed the miracle. Sometimes 
You do like Miss Christian, you might just go by the bed and kick it, amen, hoping you could spend some time with the miracle. Anybody listening to me tonight? Now, she don't do that with child number five. She's trying to get all the sleep she can get. Somebody help me, amen. But do you remember when you got in, you'd get up to feed the miracle. You remember when you got in, you'd set a clock to feed the miracle. Let me ask you something. What's happened now? No desire to read the Word of God. You're reading it just to check a box. Reading it just to keep the preacher off your back. Reading it just to fulfill an obligation to stand in a Sunday school class and it's lost its zeal, it's lost its fervor, it's lost its passion. Anybody in there understanding me tonight? Your miracles died. There was a time you'd wake up to feed it. There was a time you'd wake up to talk to your father. But now you do anything but that. Every day you'd feed that miracle. You'd feed it every day. You'd feed it every morning. You'd feed it milk. You didn't feed it. You'd feed it the milk. Then you got to where you'd feed it the meat. You'd wake up in the night to feed it. You'd spend time with it. You'd bathe it. You'd clean it. But then you got busy. I'll read my Bible later. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. And the measure of a man is not what he is before others. The measure of a man is what he is before God alone and nothing more. Our prayer life will never exceed. I mean, our public life will never exceed our prayer life. Something happened. Got busy. Stop reading. Stop praying. Stop studying. Stop loving. Stop testifying. Stop handing out gospel tracts. What happened? The miracle died. I see this preacher that it died in the heat of the day. There is so much pressure on the church today, it is unreal. Young men, there was some time ago, not too far back, where you have to go to certain places to get certain things, but it's now right there at the end of your fingertips. I noticed that it died in the heat of the day. There is pressure on this church to conform just to make the crowd get a little bit bigger. There's pressure on this man of God, Brother Mears, for him to change his ways just to fill up a few more pews. Had a man sit in my office not too terribly long ago. He said, if you'll drop the dress standards and you'll stop hammering that nail, he said, me and my family won't leave. I said, well, friend, you can mark her down by the grace of God. I was preaching it before I came, and I'll be preaching it when you're gone. Now, I don't want you to leave, but if you're not going to get right and you're going to keep bucking the system, it's time for you to hit the trail. Just the way it is, friend. There's so much pressure today. It died in the heat of the day. Christian, daddy, let me talk to the daddies for just a minute. I are one. Still got a lot to learn. You're trying to work. You're trying to raise kids. Some of you got children on the road. You're thinking about their safety. You're thinking about their mind. You're thinking about the babies coming up behind them. You're thinking about your wife. You're thinking about bills. You're thinking about the church. You've got all this pressure on you. If you're not careful, in the heat of the day, your miracle will die. Notice with me, Brother Joe, it not only died in the heat of the day, it died in the harvest. Look with me in verse number uh, 19, verse 18, that he went out to his father to the reapers. You know, being in the ministry is a great blessing. Being part of a strong church is one of the greatest joys a Christian can know. Can I get an amen right there? Don't die on me now. Stay with me. One of the greatest blessings you can have as a child of God is being in a good, strong, fervent, excited, growing, local New Testament church. You can get busy in the ministry. You can get so busy that you stop feeding yourself. Pastors can get so busy that they give out so much they don't take any in that they're preaching out of emptiness. Your miracle can die, preachers. Mamas, you can get so busy changing diapers and feeding babies and cleaning up messes and, wa and washing the clothes and, and fixing meals and trying to clean up that 9,000th mess for the one day that you let your Bible reading go that you let your prayer life go. You might be an older lady here tonight and you've got grandbabies you're concerned about. You've got a lost spouse you're concerned about. You've got a lost family member you're concerned about. And you're so consumed with that thing that you've taken your eyes off the Messiah. You've taken your eyes off the life giver. And your miracle's about to die. Notice with me. It died because it had head problems. Many men of God have made this statement that the last great battlefield... For the child of God is the mind. You can be sitting in this church service right now with the Spirit of God moving around 
and your mind can be a thousand miles away on a problem. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It can affect the man of God while he's preaching. It can affect you while you're laying flat at your back in the bed. It can affect you while you're trying to teach Sunday school or absorb Sunday school. Somebody help me tonight. Right up here, nonstop. I'm going to tell you what, you better get some help for that thing from the Word of God and the man of God in the church. It's real, friend. People have problems. People need help. And our miracle, my friend, is on the verge of dying. I want to ask you this question as we get ready to close. Do you want your miracle back? This baby was a tremendous blessing of this family. Now the voice had stopped. The labor had stopped. The increase had stopped. The joy had stopped. You say, well, preacher, if I backslide on God, if I get cold on God, it won't make an effect. Your increase will stop. Your joy will stop. Your smile will stop. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I need to see your smile. It helps me. I need to see your joy. It helps me. I need to see, amen, God working in your life and hear you testify because it helps me. My wife needs to hear that. These other ladies need to hear that. These young people need to see that God's still on the throne. He hadn't advocated His authority. He's still saving sinners. He's still reviving the backslidden. He's still encouraging the discouraged. And He's still helping those that cannot help themselves. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you want your miracle back? The same God that imparted life can revive life. While you can never lose your salvation, it sure can get cold. We need revival. We need to have the fires of God once again burn again in our heart and soul and our churches. We need to stir up the embers, amen, that have gotten cold and crusted over. And we need to ask God, the Holy Ghost, to purge from our life anything that offends His holiness, anything, amen, that hinders Him from working, anything that, amen, keeps Him from working in the church and working in the midst, amen, of our services and working in our families. If you're interested in getting your miracle back, you can do that tonight. Number one, number one, do not forget about the miracle of conversion. Second Peter 1 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. John Romans 5 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. Don't ever don't ever, don't ever, don't ever get over the miracle of the conversion that God wrought in your soul. Don't let it get old. Don't stop testifying. Don't stop telling the news. Don't stop writing about it. Don't stop reading about it. Don't stop singing about it. Don't stop shouting about it. Don't ever get over the miracle of conversion. I want my miracle back. Don't forget about the miracle of conversion. Number two, don't forget about the miracle of the church. The greatest organism on the face of the planet is not, amen, a lodge. It's not the mooses or the gooses. It's not Walmart, amen. It's not the Civitan Club. It's not even Sam's Club. It's the house of God where the Word is preached, where the saints are revived, where the missionaries are sent, where the deacons are ordained, where our children get in, where the work of God goes on. Don't ever forget about the miracle of the local church. Help man. Well, I don't have too much time for that church. It's God's bride. Don't ever get over the miracle of the local church. Hogwash with all this recovering garbage. I'm not ashamed to be a Baptist. I'm not ashamed to be a fundamentalist. I'm not ashamed to be independent. I'm not recovering. I'm not going back. I'm not dipping my colors. I don't want to forget about the miracle of the local church. Help me and husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Amen. The thing that cost Him His life is what you're a part of. Don't ever forget about the miracle of conversion. Don't forget about the miracle of the church. Number three, don't ever get over the miracle of the choir. The singing, amen. Psalm 40, verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. 
He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Amen. Ephesians 5.18 Be not drunk with wine. Where does excess? But be ye filled with the Spirit. Amen. Verse 19 Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Amen. Don't forget about the miracle of the conversion. The miracle of the church. And don't forget about the miracle of the choir. Keep singing them good songs. Keep lifting them hands. Keep singing out of the red book. Amen. And go on for the glory of God. Number four, don't get over the miracle of your calling. Titus 1.3 But hath in these due time manifested, manifested, manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them which perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. God has chosen, amen, the method of preaching to save them that believe. 2 Timothy 1.6 Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. He said, stir it up, Brother Bond. He said, stir it up, Brother Job. He said, stir it up, Brother Reynolds. He said, stir it up, Brother Egg. He said, stir it up, other men of God. And don't let it settle to the bottom. Don't forget about the miracle of the ministry. Amen, friend. Amen. I was in a church when preaching was going on when I got saved. I was in a church when preaching got home. Amen. That I surrendered to preach. I was in a church when preaching went home when God confirmed to marry Miss Kristen. I was in a church, amen, where we dedicated my babies, amen, to God. I was in a church, amen, that I am today pastoring, amen, those great folks. And I don't ever want to forget about the miracle of the ministry. Amen. In closing, Sister Bond, you come to the piano. Please, don't ever get over the miracle of Christ's coming. In closing, friend, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God. Amen, the Bible says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first, brother Joe. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds, and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. If you want your miracle back tonight and you want it revived, don't ever forget about the miracle of your conversion, the miracle of the church, the miracle of the choir, the miracle of the calling, and the miracle of Christ's coming. He is coming again. Let's stand together all over the house, heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here tonight and it's gotten cold. You're here tonight and it's gotten dry. You're here tonight and teaching that class has lost its zeal and lost its fervor but you find a place in this altar say oh God help me revive my dead miracle God I need a touch from you I need some help amen the man of God's here your pastor's here you come get him by the hand he'll pray with you you got your pastor's wife you got ladies in the church you got men that can help you need somebody tonight amen God's here and the man of God's here He'll be glad to pray with you. What about it, young people? You say revival's just for old folks. No, revival's for every age group, for those that have been born again. You're here tonight, and you say, Brother Jordan, I just don't enjoy reading my Bible like I used to. Why don't you come and ask God to revive that desire to read? Brother Jordan, I don't, des- I don't enjoy testifying like I once did. Why don't you come back and say, God, here I am. Why don't you revive my spirit? Revive my miracle, Lord. I want to testify fresh and anew. There was a time you testified and it helped brother so-and-so. It helped sister so-and-so. What about it, ma'am, tonight? What about it, sir? You forgot about the miracle of the local church. You just have to make yourself go. You just have to make yourself tithe. You just, it's just, it just seems like it's just a grudge. God can give you that desire back. It's a time to be revived. What about it, ma'am? What about it, young person? Why don't you come to one of these altars or one of these pews up front 
and just be honest with God and say, God, I need a touch from you. You may be here tonight, you might be in the midst of a revival in your own spirit. You might, you might be as close to God as the day you were you got saved. You can come as well and say, God, protect me. God, help me keep the fires burning. God, help me to stir it up in my church. Lord, help me to, amen, blow on the coals at the house of God. Help me, Lord, amen, to get behind my pastor more. Help me, amen, get behind his wife more. Help me get behind the Sunday school teacher more. Help me get behind the youth group more. Help me, God, to stay on fire so that others, amen, can get fired up as well for the things of God. One more plea, and I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, your only hope is to run to Calvary. Friend, He died on the cross of Calvary. He took your place. He took your shame. He took your sin. And tonight, if you'll acknowledge that and you'll confess your sin, repenting of sin, turn to Christ in faith and believe, He will save your soul. Don't put it off, friend. Revive it. A dead miracle. Preacher, thank